Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, widespread condemnation for Vladimir Putin after the attack on Ukraine. History will judge President Putin as harshly as the world condemns him today. Today, he cements his place in the ranks of the reviled European dictators who caused such carnage in the 20th century. Canada announces more sanctions against Russia. In light of Russia's reckless and dangerous military strike, we're imposing further severe sanctions. These sanctions will target 58 individuals and entities, including members of the Russian elite and their family members, as well as the Wagner Group and major Russian banks, among others. And the Canadian Armed Forces stand ready to assist in Ukraine. We have also placed 3,400 military personnel across all branches of the service on standby to deploy to the NATO response force should they be required. It's Friday, February 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. I think a lot of people are trying to make sense of what's happening in Ukraine right now. And of course, lots of questions are being asked of our political leaders here in Canada. And there was a moment yesterday that I know caught a lot of people's attention, and that's when Christia Freeland was asked about what this moment represented, whether the end of uh, whether it represents the end of 75 years of of relative stability in the world uh, since World War II, since the end of the Second World War, and um, and her answer and 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 also the analysis of many other people is certainly not encouraging. That's right. She she answered that question by saying, you know, one of the reasons that she and others in Canada are so determined to respond is that we can't allow this to be the end of the post-World War II rules-based order. And then she paused and said, it could be. Um, and I think that was a moment where, for me anywhere, anyway, that things kind of started to, to sink in, the magnitude of this. Um, and she talked about this is an extremely serious challenge to that order. You know, if Russia succeeds, then then that's it. That that order will be breached, she said, and we can't let that happen. Um, it will be really devastating for Canada and the rest of the world, uh, frankly. And, and, you know, this question was asked of her because this is what something that the Ukrainian envoy said that we need to stop this. The world needs to stop uh, Russia in Ukraine because Russia is not going to stop with Ukraine. So I think this is a, a very important moment in history. Some people have been describing it as a moment where we are looking at a return to history um, and, and this sort of bringing us... I mean, frankly, we're seeing armored vehicles... Um, you know, in, in Europe, right? Uh, this is not something that we've seen for a very long time um, in many of our many of our lifetime. And yeah. This is a very sobering moment. And, and I guess the question becomes, what can Canada and its allies do to stop this? Uh, I know the government introduced more severe sanctions yesterday, but I think a lot of people are puzzled over, uh, despite the talk of we must stop this, what actually can happen to prevent Russia from doing what it wants? 
Yes, and I think there's a, a sense from Ukraine, from Ukrainian Canadians here in Canada, from other experts who've been watching this buildup who said, you know, the world really was not taking this seriously enough. Um, that the sanctions that were brought in were not severe enough, that what Ukraine needs is air defense and naval defense, and for Russia to be cut off entirely diplomatically, ousted from the banking system. These are the sort of severe consequences that many are saying should have been brought in earlier and not, not waited to the moment where we're seeing actual airstrikes against Kiev and, and, and troops coming in, and now, you know, Russia has taken over the nuclear site at Chernobyl, for example. I think that was another moment um, where where a lot of this really sunk in. And and so there there is a question about where do you go from here. And, and the difficult thing, too, is that, you know, Canada and NATO have made it clear so far that they don't have any plan to send troops right into Ukraine to fight Russia. I think that's something that people are wondering whether that is going to happen. They, they are instead reinforcing the military alliance's presence in Eastern Europe in case the conflict expands beyond Ukraine. Um, but I think many people are wondering, is there a way to resolve this without an actual armed conflict? And I think no one really knows that answer yet. So what do you expect the the response to be is and and what is the message that Canada and other countries are sending right now if they are not supporting Ukraine with a military presence of any kind is it is it basically saying to Russia almost that that they can move ahead in in Ukraine but if they step any further than that if they move beyond that perhaps into a NATO country, a NATO ally, that, that Canada and others will respond more forcefully? Well, this is the, the tricky thing for NATO, right? As you know, Ukraine's not a member of NATO. Um, Russia had been very clear they did not want Ukraine to be a member of NATO, and that's something that uh, Putin has used as, as a reason for this um, in justifying these actions and in, in saying that Russia needs to uh, ensure its own security. Um, so so there wouldn't be sort of an automatic uh, assumption that, you know, Article 5 is triggered, for example. Um, but there is a history of, of collective defense actions uh, among NATO allies in, involving Ukraine. I mean, that's why Canada, for example, is leading a NATO battle group in Latvia that, that they are sending more troops to. So I think it's understanding that something needs to happen, that, that this is a very serious threat, um, even if it is not directly involve a NATO member right now, but things are getting a little close to com- uh, too close for comfort. And um, if, there is, if there is no response, then yes, I think existentially um, there'd be questions asked about what is the point of NATO. Yeah. All right. Um, what what do you expect to happen in the next uh, few days, Joanna, in, in terms of Canada's response to this? What what ha- what clues are there in what the Prime Minister and Christia Freeland and others were saying yesterday? Well, I think a couple of things to watch for uh, based on what was said yesterday. There was one point where they were asked very pointedly, you know, of these fifty-eight individuals and entities that you're imposing additional, more severe sanctions on, none of them happen to be the president of Russia, right? And and Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie responded to that, saying that there, there will be more sanctions. So I think that's something that 
um, you know, whether it's Putin himself or the oligarchs more closely around him, um, the further sanctions, that's something to watch for. And another thing to watch for is that Defence Minister Anita Anand said 3,400 Canadian armed troops Canadian uh, Armed Forces members are being put on standby in case they need to deploy in a hurry, which is a much greater number than the 460 additional troops that they've committed to Latvia. So I think there uh, there are things that are being prepared, and those would be two areas where I would be watching closely. All right. Joanna, let's turn to some issues closer to home. And of course, uh, we're heading into another weekend, and it was a week ago today that that uh, police forces in Ottawa, um, a united group of different police forces, uh, began the operation that cleared downtown Ottawa of the blockade uh, and removed the demonstrators and protesters from the downtown core. It took a few days, but it began a week ago. Uh, There seemed to be, during the course of the three-week-long demonstration, there seemed to be more activity, certainly on the weekends, as more people arrived in the downtown core. So, I know a lot of people are going to be watching to see what, if anything, happens this weekend. That's right. So one big question we had was whether this secure perimeter and police checkpoints would remain in the downtown core even after the powers in the Emergencies Act were revoked. So something that the interim Ottawa police chief, Steve Bell, said yesterday was that that it would remain in place, you know, as, as the police force is trying to figure out how to maintain peace and order in the city without the extra powers they were granted through the Emergencies Act, that the the checkpoints and the secure perimeter is remaining. Uh, And then, as you know, Wellington Street also remains closed uh, for quite a while to vehicles. Um, So I I think there is some, some anticipation that some people may try to return. Some of their demonstrators and their trucks have decamped to farmers fields, small towns, truck stops in the rural areas around Ottawa. So um, the interim police chief was saying that now police have a new plan to prevent them from regaining a foothold should they try uh, to decide to return. And interesting, he also said one of the main tools stemming from the act that police really relied on was their ability to, to order financial institutions to freeze the accounts of people who refused to leave the protest zone. He said that was a really... That threat was a powerful incentive um, for people to leave. And he says now the demonstrators are gone. Um, police don't really, you know, no longer need that power. So that's something um, that hasn't really changed. Yeah. And finally, uh, related to that, uh, we're expecting a bail hearing today for one of the key people uh, who's, it's it's hard to know exactly what role everybody played in in this blockade of downtown Ottawa. But one of the key people obviously was Pat King. Uh, and uh, what do you expect to happen there? That's right. So he was arrested a week ago. Um, he faces charges of mischief, counseling to commit mischief, uh, counseling to commit the offense of disobeying a court order, and also to uh, obstruct police. So the court will decide whether he gets bailed today, and we'll see what happens. The Crown was arguing against it. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of his bail hearing earlier this week was that an Alberta resident... Uh, is proposing to be a surety for him, um, and and she actually met him four weeks ago, essentially at the beginning of the protest. So that was an interesting detail, and I think it, it could come down to whether the court thinks that, uh, you know, someone with, with that short-term uh, connection to him could actually do what is required of a surety. Yeah. 
All right. Lots to watch today and through the weekend. Joanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark, for having me. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. In light of Russia's reckless and dangerous military strike, we're imposing further severe sanctions. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the conversation, Stefan Wolf considers what the West needs to do following the Ukraine invasion. Wolf writes, The West sat by and did little when Russia invaded Georgia in 2008 and annexed Crimea in 2014. But the full-scale invasion of Ukraine is impossible to ignore. What is needed now is a policy of containment and the reassurance of NATO and EU members. Russia needs to feel real deterrence against any further military escalation. It will also be important to cooperate as much as possible with China as part of this process. Relations between China and the West may not be at their warmest, but both sides share an interest in stability in the region where China has made significant investments. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun considers why Vladimir Putin felt he could invade Ukraine. The Sun writes, Whatever NATO and its member countries say they will do now, they've already told Putin the one thing he needed to know before he launched his attack. They all said publicly that they would not send military forces into Ukraine to fight alongside its armed forces against Russia. Once Putin knew that, he knew he had a free hand to act. Economic sanctions will take time to take effect, and China's commitment to buy more oil and gas from Russia as these sanctions kick in will lessen their impact. In the National Post, Wesley Wark argues the debate over the use of the Emergencies Act is only just beginning. Wark writes, The Emergencies Act is put back on its high shelf, but the debate on its invocation, which has shown dramatic fissures in Canadian politics, will go on for some time. Can we imagine that this debate will offer any healing, transcend fixed views and instant history pronouncements? Parliament is unlikely to ever find unity on the subject. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will participate in the NATO leaders' meeting to discuss the situation in Ukraine. And then he'll participate in a virtual celebration to mark the end of Black History Month Celebration will be hosted by the Minister for Women, Marcy Ian. And government officials will hold a news conference to provide an update on COVID-19. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February 25th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC. For coverage of all the week's events, our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.